The Midwest has a reputation for being bland. But in 1920, Cincinnati got a little bit spicier with the introduction of Frank's hot sauce. Tonight, we recount the history of this zesty Cincinnati sauce. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the zesty edition of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities presents the Hometown Haunts podcast. I am your host, Kat Loco, and tonight with me, I have Jen and Christina in the wings. It's been a long, long week. It's only Monday. But you can follow us on social media at Sin Cabinet Curio on Twitter, at Cincy Cabinet of Curiosities on Instagram. And of course, we are dying to hear your hometown haunts. And you can send those to hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to join us on our Facebook group, Hometown Haunts, where you can also talk anything spooky, creepy, hometown haunty uh, it, with us on facebook we're all interested we're all ears we're also an official podcast that can be heard on youtube itunes spotify amazon and soundcloud thank you jen find us by searching cincinnati cabinet of curiosities and please rate and review us so other spooky lovers like you can find us on those different streaming casts oh and now we have ticker i feel like a news organization if you're on youtube you're you're seeing this little ticker roll go right under me it's that's different we are now using Streamyard to use like with with making this and uh, we're all learning new things wow sorry christina this is super distracting <laughs> well, i'm not gonna leave it on the whole time this is everything i like it though because now you can see how sin cabinet curio is spelled or since cabinet of curiosities because i remember for the interviews for the kickstarter campaign last month i was spelling it out on tv and everything so mm. Uh, more about a Kickstarter. It's completely funded, and it actually went over funding. So yay! Thank you, everybody. We made issue three a reality. So we're already Ooh. working on that, as well as finishing the book layouts, so they can get sent to the printers sometime soon. Yes. So, yes. And you're working on the dossiers for issue three. So anyone that wants to write and or illustrate send your stuff to us and we are going to start making decisions probably february we'll start looking yeah. at things in february i don't know if we'll make decisions in february yeah we but. no late february so mm -hmm. we use for those who are interested in submitting you can always visit our website cincycuriosities.com and that's c-i-n-c-y curiosities.com and we will have information about the application process when they open when they close it generally is going to open in january and close at the end of january and then we evaluate everyone's submissions in february and send out the um reject and de and decline emails in <laughs> mid to late february oh that's like the great british bake-off you're like you, yes. get to, you get to announce who's Star Baker and then who goes home that week. And it, it just feels like that when you're writing those emails. It's it's not, we take no joy in writing those. Um, I don't want to call them rejects, but. Well, if we, if we can't put everything in the book, there's just no. too few of us to make a bigger book than what we already have. 
Exactly. But we could always save you for issue four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, you just never know. Um, or, you know, there's a new list each year. And, uh, you know, this hopefully will be a yearly thing. Mm-hmm. So archiving so many of the interesting stories like we have this evening on Spicy Hot Sauce. Yes, Spicy <laughs> Hot Sauce. I discovered with doing the research for tonight's show on numerous other foods besides Pringles that were invented here. So we have topics for future shows in season three. So Christina, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about our break that's happening and in season three? Just a little warning. Yes. Notification. Uh, We have one more episode that we're going to be recording in 2021. And that will be next week with, um, the writer of Haunted Hamilton, Hamilton Ohio. Books? Yeah, and it's going to be a, so we'll be talking everything Haunted Hamilton next week, not Hamilton mm-hmm. the musical, but Hamilton, the small town north of Cincinnati. Yes, the great old mill town. Although so, it might be nice if they made a musical about that as well, but I don't, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, that would be interesting. I think um, they should have a musical. Yeah, it makes, it makes a, it makes information a lot more interesting. So but we will be back in January of 2022. We're taking mm-hmm. an end of year break to um, just catch up on things. We've got our Kickstarter to fulfill and getting all of that together and the holidays. And so we're just going to take a, a short break and then start fresh with issue or with issue three <laughs> and with season three. So yeah, a couple things going on in january and i think that'll be nice um of course you can catch up if you've missed any episodes i mean we'll have 53 you can listen to yeah and uh as i said we'll start fresh uh if anyone has any haunts though we will still be checking emails so uh please do keep sending emails with your personal haunting stories and i know i've had a couple people email me some topic ideas for next season so yes we might even be doing some of those a lot of people have had clever ideas yeah so uh, and that's one thing we'll be putting together our spreadsheet of episodes for 2022 so this kind of lets us refuel yeah it does i'm gonna fill up with pumpkin pie it'll be delicious yes you're going on a fun road trip yeah we'll be going on a road trip um I, I will be taking photos. We can talk about it when we come back in January. I was but... thinking of the Simpsons when you said your road trip where they went to itchy and scratchy land and all the radio stations were like different types of Bible banging stations. And at the end of their trip and like they had the top 40 version and then they had the fire and brimstone version and like all these different versions. And when they get there, they said, let us never speak of this again. <laughs> Okay, on that note, don't tell anyone where we're going. <laughs> no, I'm not saying anything. Suspense. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you're saying never speak of this. At least now you have satellite and you have Audible in a lot of ways. To You don't have to be at the mercy of radio stations in the middle of nowhere. Okay, right. I, I have a comment on that. I have driven across the country in both directions multiple times. Hmm. And no matter where you are, it's either country music or it's Christian stuff. It's religious stuff. So, and I was doing it at a time where we didn't have the smartphones and we didn't have, if you didn't have that little tape deck thing for your CD player, you were out of luck. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So what did you do? I had a CD player. 
<laughs> with a little tape thing. Or and, I made myself my own mixtapes. Yeah, and I would listen to those because yeah. I'm not listening to country music for eight, nine, ten hours or <sighs> yeah. trying to find find you find one good song and then in two seconds it's you're out of range and it's gone. <laughs> yeah. That that happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be we'll be listening to a lot of audiobooks and yeah. now comes the great debate of which audiobooks are we going to listen to? I think. Yeah, Scalzi. So Mike, Mike's interested in that. I think we're also just going to listen to Good Omens again. Oh, so, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah. There's a new Audible version that's fully acted, too. Okay, that may be what we go with. Um, okay. Yeah, and we've already downloaded the full Ghibli movie set for Psy. Oh, because great. somebody is very interested in My Neighbor Totoro Aww. and has... I have seen it 40 times now. Wow. Not all with Psy. <laughs> but um, when I used to teach Japanese classes, intro into Japanese, uh, My Neighbor Totoro is a very easy movie to understand. Mm-hmm. So I saw it 30 times just teaching. Yeah. And, then, and then I think I've seen it in the past month an additional 10. Wow. And other really good audible things are Sandman. They have the new Sandman and then the first one, which is also fully acted. Oh, okay. And it is so close to the... It's fully... It's so close to the comics, you can actually follow along with your Sandman comics. With the first Mm -hmm. one. I haven't listened to the full version of the second series yet. Yeah. Uh, And it has John McAvoy. Um, Of course, Neil Gaiman does the introductions. Or he's the narrator, actually. And they have a really nice all-star cast in the Sandman um, version. I forget who's in the uh, new Good Omens version, but that's also fully acted. It was just released on Audible. Yeah. Yeah, I, I... We'll look into both of those. The The trick is finding stuff that if Psy listens to it, he's not picking up names and words. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's the only trick. But yeah, I that means that all of my murder podcasts out the window. Can't listen no. to any of them. Like I was listening to Murder Squad's Cleveland Torso Murders. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, while making dinner over the weekend and Mike just pops in his head and he's like, Maybe turn that one off. <laughs> so, Aww. yeah, it was Poor a little intense. <laughs> it, it's very intense when you're talking about finding random bodies, dismembered bodies around Cleveland in the 1930s. Yeah. I'm behind on Murder Squad. I've been listening to uh, Crime and Sports and uh, Small Town Murder. Oh, I had to good. catch up on those. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I I, I need to catch up on a lot of. Well, I actually listen mostly to Audible or to YouTube or uh, British Bake Off, as you were referring to earlier. (laughs) Yeah, my big comfort, British Bake Off. That's a great. It's a great show. I mean, it is. It makes me want to bake cakes, Mm -hmm. although not. I can't bake them as well as our friend Katie can. But yeah, Katie made some spectacular cookies during the Kickstarter campaign. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I like the royal icing that she made. She made these nice sugar cookies for those who don't didn't see them that had Natty Skull on them and <laughs> a few different things from the books. And mm. they're nice sugar media. cookies with royal icing decoration, mm. and they're fantastic. Mm. I did not eat one, but they look great. <laughs> I don't think I could eat one if she made them. 
So. Oh. Yes, you could. They're very good. They're always very good. <laughs> They're very <Yes>. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, hot sauce. Yeah, so tonight, this Spicy. was... Yeah, this was brought to my attention from Ohio History, their Facebook group. They actually posted something about it a few weeks ago, and I was like, hey, I'm going to just yoink that and look into it myself. So tonight's show is all about the spicy hot sauce we know as Frank's hot sauce, which, if you didn't know, was invented here in Cincinnati and manufactured here for quite a few decades. So the sources for tonight were Wikipedia, the Cincinnati Acquirer, Oh, that reminds me, Jen. I now have a subscription to the Cincinnati Enquirer. <laughs> Fist bump. Yes. Um, you you think I would get it earlier, but it took me this long. Anyway, Reddit and then the Historic Restaurants of Cincinnati by Dan Wollers. So let's sit down and grab some some wings. We're going to wind back the years to 1896, when Jacob Frank of Cincinnati decided he wasn't going to be a traveling salesman anymore. He partnered with his brothers, Emile and Charles, and established the Frank Tea and Spice Company, once located at 20 West 2nd Street. The company sold small packets of whole and ground spices for the consumer market, rather than the large bulk spice bags. This novel idea made the Frank and Tea Spice Company the fourth largest spice manufacturers in the United States. In 1906, it, it introduced Frank's Jumbo brand peanut butter, which turned into a popular local staple here in Cincinnati. Making their products more diverse, of course, helped the company expand into a larger facility that was once located at Culvert and 3rd Street. Interested in now making hot sauce because his peanut butter went over so well, Jacob Frank traveled to Louisiana in 1918, during the Spanish flu epidemic, by the way, scouting for a partner. He found one in Adam Estelle. I am sure I've just butchered that name. A man from a Cajun family who knew his way around spices. What makes Frank's hot sauce different at least back in 1918, was that it didn't use Tabasco peppers in the sauce, instead using cayenne peppers. Tabasco peppers, of course, are used in Tabasco sauce. They set up a pickling plant in New Iberia, Louisiana, to process and cure the peppers. This included aging the peppers in oak barrels in a cocktail of garlic, vinegar, salt, and other secret spices. Once cured long enough, the peppers were sent to Cincinnati in the barrels to be mashed, heated, and then bottled. In 1968, Frank T. Frank Spice and Tea Company moved their manufacturing to Sharonville. Afterward, the company changed hands several times. And as a Cincinnati Inquirer reported, it was bought by the Frank Foods in 1969, by Durkee Foods in 1977, then by Reckitt and Coleman in 1986. In 1992, the spice portion of the business was sold to specialty brands, so the hot sauce production was moved to a plant in Springfield, Missouri, where it continues today. In 2017, McCormick and Company added Frank's hot sauce to the French's mustard and French's mustard to their brands for a $4.2 billion acquisition of the Reckitt um, Bancaster Group. So Frank's hot sauce is no longer made in Cincinnati, but it really made a huge mark here in the in the community. 
Um, and actually has a really huge following, especially for the millennial and younger crowds right now. The Frank Tea and Spice Company even made a special Dusseldorf-style mustard that was served at Crosley Field by the Reds, which contained the spicy red hot sauce. It was served exclusively at Crosley Field. However, there was a cousin Dijon mustard that the company made, Mr. Mustard, should anyone outside the baseball stadium want to add a zesty pep to their sandwich or brought? The mustard was discontinued after the Reds moved to Riverfront Stadium in 2003, and they have never found a suitable replacement, according to some fans. What really put Frank's hot sauce on the map happened on October 24th, 1964, at the Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York. That night at the Anchor the anchor bar's owner, Teresa Bellissimo, needed to whip up some late-night snacks for her son and his friends. She took some chicken wings that she usually used to make stock, chicken stock, deep-fried them, and then added some Frank's hot sauce and served it with a side of celery and blue cheese dressing. As so the legend goes, this is how buffalo wings were born. Afterwards, Frank's hot sauce started selling like hotcakes because buffalo wings became extremely popular and uh, at one point they were bottling 72,000 bottles a day here in Cincinnati. So since the weather is getting chilly out may I suggest a platter full of buffalo wings with, with Cincinnati's signature zesty sauce. Enjoy. And we're back. Yay! That's fascinating. Who knew? Yeah, that is interesting. Never yeah, just a little, little zesty history for these chilly, chilly fall nights. No, I like yeah. some of this weird, eclectic history kind of mixed in with the scary stories. Yeah, mm -hmm. not everything needs to be spooky all the, all the time. Although you could, you could come up with a scary story for hot sauce. That's true, that's true. Ghost peppers, you know. Yeah, so that was something when reading through all, like, there was the Reddit posts. I love the comments that people had, which was Frank's, the number one one comment was, Frank's hot sauce is not really that hot. In the Skullville um, levels, it's on, it's one of the lowest. Like, it's ranks with sriracha. And it's basically a spicy ketchup compared mm. to things that are made today with ghost peppers. And uh, that's true. But in 1920 and in the early 20s, when it was first distributed, it was a spicy sauce. Considering, like, at least here in Cincinnati, a lot of the food was German. And that is not something that comes naturally to German food. Most <laughs> European food is not spicy at all. I mean, no. most of it's, I don't want to say it's bland. Most of it, though, I mean, not very little of it is hot yeah you're yeah. using um oregano sage rosemary like salt and pepper to season your foods and then sometimes dill if you're being experimental Ick. but um <laughs> i love the idea of dill being experimental <laughs> yeah well ranch dressing but yeah it, it's I like how this hot sauce came onto the market and immediately just took a whole everybody. It was very, very popular and yeah. it was being put on brats, hot dogs, sandwiches, and then eventually chicken. And 
I never even thought about buffalo wings being invented, but I guess they had to have been. Think about it. it it's a, it's an area of the chicken that was kind of considered not much. It's kind of like getting chicken feet, like when you get dim sum or something. I think yeah. it's that kind mm -hmm. of where it's got that texture and chewiness, but there's not a lot of meat to it. Yeah, like it was relegated to use for chicken stock, like yeah. making soups and, and bases for different sauces, just like chicken feet get. Yeah. Um, but and I bet Frank's tastes good on chicken feet, too. That's true. I'm yeah. I'm not a huge fan of chicken feet, but um, maybe I just haven't had the right chicken feet. I don't they can be made wrong. Mm -hmm. And then you just sit there and you're chewing it and you're just like, oh, this is not as enjoyable as I wish it was. And then if you go to a really good dim sum place and they've done it right, oh, chicken feet are great. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do they have meat on them? Like I've never had mostly, chicken mostly feet. skin and a little bit of probably tendon and there's know, tendon and. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, it they're fine. Try it. Like, it's like eating a chicken. Okay, I, are chicken good too. I do not eat meat on the bone. Uh, I realize I am a freak. You're not a when freak. I, I say that, but I cannot eat chicken wings. I can't eat ribs. I don't like non on bones. <laughs> and I don't like to eat things that look like appendages. <laughs> and I can't eat I'm not a fan of hot sauce I know I'm boring I'm so sorry I'm old now and I get heartburn <laughs> so I can't eat spicy things like you know, I used you, to you have to eat what you like um, yeah. you know, and, and my thing is that you know I'm, I'm kind of very carnivorous because I I love stuff on the bone like I love yeah. gristly kind of sinewy mm -mm. things so I probably would like chicken feet if they're if they're fixed right because I love chicken wings and ribs and all of those things you just said you didn't like so yeah I actually prefer meat on the bone because I think it cooks a lot better on the bone than it does. it tastes a lot better now okay if someone would cut it off for me then I don't have a problem yes I am a grown woman and I still had my mom cut the chicken off the bone for me Aww. yes I did <laughs> and now it, it falls to my sister oh i mean speaking of uh you know one thing that was interesting was the this has happened in a lot of towns is the acquisition of frank sauce by other companies because yeah one big notable thing Cincinnati used to be known as porkopolis and perhaps we should do an episode of that um there were there's been some great artwork i think uh jeff cease and his book on the history of cincinnati has those wonderful paintings of the uh, butchers that are extremely sanitized for what they probably really looked like um, in the early 18, well, it was early, late 1800s. Um, I forget the precise time Late, of Mid to late 1800s, we had huge stockyards for trains. Mm -hmm. And we, uh, Cincinnati, almost beat out Chicago with the amount of train traffic we had. We just barely, barely didn't have as much as them. So... And yeah, and that was all pork products from Indiana, Kentucky, and Ohio. And if you drove on Spring Grove Avenue, where now the Rheingeist warehouse is, I assume that's also where they make Rheingeist. Mm -hmm. But there's uh, that is actually on the grounds where Cons used to be. And I know people that used to work at Cons up to maybe like the seventies and eighties. And Cons, what was, is Cons? <laughs> Cons is who made hot dogs and they served oh. cons hot dogs at the stadiums um cons is still a brand that you can buy at the store but sarah lee foods bought cons i forget what year and 
closed down the plant and I'm not sure where they manufacture them now. A quick Google search will tell, but um, that's a big notable brand that was made in Cincinnati for years and part of Cincinnati legacy that no longer is here. Yeah, Cincinnati has a really deep food history. Like a lot of foods, just like with Frank's hot sauce, were created here and, like you said, later moved out. Um, there's one exception, and we'll talk about it, which is McDonald's filet of fish, which obviously McDonald's is nationwide, but the filet of fish was invented here in Cincinnati. Really? I didn't know that. So we will do an entire episode about it later in season three. Mm-hmm. The yeah. other wonderful things are airheads and slush puppies. Oh. Yeah, um, Cons was started in 1882, um, and Elias Kahn died in 1895, and the company continued in Cincinnati, and then um, in 1966, the company was bought by Consolidated Foods Corporation, and 10 years later, Sara Lee bought it um, after they purchased Hillshire Farm. And I'm I'm not seeing here when they closed the factory in Cincinnati. That reminds me. So is there any local foods that you miss, like, that you grew up on that you wish were here in Cincinnati or still existed? Hmm. I can't well, answer that. I didn't grow up here. Well, so. no, like, yeah. I didn't either. So I'll, I'll just go first. Um, the thing that I miss, and it's local to uh, South Bend, Indiana, are Dingus Day sausages, <laughs> which um, is the only real time I'll ever eat a sausage. I'm not a big pork connoisseur, which is hilarious. Also, by the way, the reason why our race is called the Flying Pig is because we used to be called Porkopolis. So that's the link to why the Cincinnati big marathon is the Flying Pig. Anyway, um, but... Dingus Day is only, and I know I've talked about this in other episodes, is only celebrated in a handful of cities around really north, not just North America, but the northern bit of the United States. So Buffalo, New York, South Bend, Indiana, Chicago, and a few other handful of places, um, Pennsylvania and Illinois. And uh, there is a special sausage that's a spice mix that only gets used once during the year you can only buy them you used to be only able to buy them for about a month so leading up to dingus day which is the day after easter mm. and uh I, my mom would buy them in bulk and freeze them so that we could have them throughout the year and of course being down here people don't know what dingus day is and they also don't know what punchkis are and uh, um that it's just it's very german not polish so it, Can you those go are back? that I miss. Do they still do it? They still do it. So uh, when my family still lived in South Bend, whenever we would visit, we would buy them in bulk. and Because Martin's Supermarket is the local supermarket there. It's still the independent supermarket. It's not owned by Kroger or anybody. And um, they make Dingus Day sausages still. And they'll do them year round, but they'll freeze them so that you can pick them up at any time. So, and punchkis, punchkis are only during, um, fat Tuesday. Mm. So, um, those, those are, there's a variety of them here in Cincinnati, but they're not like the ones that we make up in South Bend. So these are going to be huge 
uh, pastries, uh, like almost a cream puff, but like gigantic. Mm-hmm. And then um, they're filled with custard and cream and strawberries. And then they put strawberries on top with whipped cream and powdered sugar. It's about 2000 calories just to have one. You never eat them by yourself. You always eat them in a team. And um, they are extremely good. The closest thing I've ever seen is Buskin Bakery will make something very similar to them for Oktoberfest. Yeah. And but otherwise, the bakeries around here for Fat Tuesday will make a filled donut, like Mm -hmm. a very heavy, not yeast or yeah, yeast donut. And they call them punchki. And I look at those. I'm like, no, those are pathetic little cousins of punchki. (laughs) <laughs> but those are jam donuts. Those are jam donuts. Those aren't punchki. But funny. I'm. Well, I do have. It's not really a. Well, I guess it is a food that's gone. But the first thing I'm going to say is cons closed in 2006 mm-hmm. when Sarah Lee moved. Um, and so apparently you can't even get the cons brand around here anymore. It says cons is now a small regional division of Arkansas-based Tyson Foods. And their hmm. plant closed for good in 2006 and has since been torn down. As I mentioned before, Rheingeist's, uh, I guess, warehouse is there now. Oh. Uh, so it's really it's really sad. It's sort of like... It really got eliminated. Yeah. I that mean, is sad. It, that happens to a lot of companies, not just that make food. You sort of have these giant megacorps gobble. They're like giant fish that eat little fish and... Yeah. You know, take away these brands and well they take away a lot of the character of the city and the region when that happens yeah. i do like it when they at least make efforts to keep regional things alive because mm-hmm. they have the ability to do that yeah but yeah when i mean i can tell you about st louis ones that i yeah, grew up sure. on tell tell us about, about those uh emo's pizza is my favorite i mentioned it to you before i every time i go back to st louis i I, we will stop there and get it and it's (laughs) i grew up on it so i love it not everybody likes it i lost a tooth when i was seven eating a piece of cheese pizza (laughs) oh what yeah it was really loose and i just bit down on it and i'm like oh okay okay." was it so hard or tough no no so the thing is it's really thin cracker almost almost cracker like crust and then it's cut in squares and then all the toppings are underneath the cheese oh so not on top almost and like chicago deep dish but thin crust yeah it's like that thin so okay. the only thing here that is akin to that is casano's Hmm. But what is special about Emos is their cheese. It's a different kind of provolone, some sort of, I can't remember the name of it. It's escaping me, but it is a St. Louis staple. Um, and then so is Lion's Choice. It's a roast beef place. Is, I just think of Lion's Den every yeah. time you tell me. It's got a, a little lion mascot on its logo. Um, Do they sell porn or no? <laughs> No, they do not. Christina. (laughs) They sell roast beef. Very good roast beef. But the thing is, they actually make it there in the restaurant. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. And it's my sister worked there and we go back every time for that. And then another one is Ted Drew's frozen custard. Ooh. And 
there used to be only two. I don't know if it's just down to one, but, and I haven't had it in a very long time, but their, their claim to fame is the concrete. So oh. they would make it and they would turn it upside down. Well, that sounds familiar. And it wouldn't, oh no, no, this was before Dairy Queen. I know. And then uh, it just wouldn't move. Mm-hmm. Right. And they used to close down in the winter, and you we would go get our Christmas trees there. They would sell Christmas trees in their parking lot. I love that. Yeah. So those are those are my favorite things from my childhood that yeah. thankfully seems- are still around. Yeah, but that's I have to, good. You know, go back there and get them. It seems like um, Missouri has a lot of custard type places. I know mm-hmm. there were some when we visited our friends that live in Springfield that they yeah. have several custard places that they love. So that just seems, yeah. and I don't know of any custard places in Cincinnati. There I don't probably think are there some. Are. That I, I, that seems like we have greater. Oh, yeah. 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 They kind of take over everything. Yeah. Like in my hometown, and there's only one location left, I think, I don't think it's closed, is Bonnie Dune ice cream. Mm. and uh they they made the blue moon ice cream which was blue i think raspberry flavored ice cream oh that sounds yummy yeah. and uh they those sound good they were locally made but i don't know if it still exists or not it still did when i moved out but yeah. that was over a decade ago yeah. how about you christina besides you know- cons <laughs> well, I don't know if cons was a favorite. I'm sad that they're no longer in Cincinnati. It's sad mm-hmm. to see any company liquidated like that and just their brands harvested by these vampire squid companies. Sorry, that was a little bit. But anyway, uh, <laughs> my, uh, this is like cons is this tiny little sardine swimming through the deep ocean. Suddenly the vampire squid comes. <laughs> yes, uh, they, they kind of take all these local companies and and eat them up and fire all the people that work there and and then shine brilliant hues through the deep ocean exactly (laughs) um but uh you know one restaurant i loved as a kid i don't know if i'd love it so much as an adult but we used to go there for our birthdays all the time and i'm sure many people will comment on this that are listening to the podcast was ferals which was an ice cream place that was in tri-county it's where haverty's is now if you Mm. Go Mm -hmm. to the mall. It's like across from the mall um, in Tri-County. And they were known for their very wild antics. So the decoration was sort of kind of Victorian. They sold all sorts of wild gift stuff like garter garters and stuff. And like with it was it it was kind of done in sort of the pinstripe pink pinstripes. And and whenever you ordered or it was someone's birthday, they had all these alarms that went off. It was super loud. Hmm. And they had these giant sundaes that you could eat that would be for a group of people. Like they'd have 20 scoops wow. of ice cream in them of different flavors. And the people would run in and all the people were dressed in sort of, if you think about Kings Island in the Coney area where everybody's kind of dressed in that sort of faux 1800 style, that's kind of the style of this. So oh, fun. it was kind of all that style. So, you know, the outfits that the people wore like had the pinstriping on them and the hats and thinking about that sort of Americana from the late 1800s. That was the style that Farrell's was decorated in. And it was a really fun birthday place. And somebody had told me that before it closed, there were people that the whole reason you went was all the sirens that they played and all the um, 
to-do they made about your birthday and people complained they didn't like the sirens and so they stopped that and then no one went after they stopped that so you always have a few people that go there ruin it for everybody well you know you think <laughs> people that that go there and say well i'd like it if it didn't have the sirens when most of the people are there for the sirens and the noise yeah. and the fun you know, you know it's, wow. kind of, it's kind of like going to a dance club and saying you know i really like it here if they didn't have the dance music yeah I, my takeaway from that is I thought that gigantic ice cream sundae for multiple people was a thing from the movies. I didn't think it was a real thing. But you're mm. telling me it did exist. They had one ice cream sundae, and I'm sure um, somebody might write us to the Hometown Haunts uh, email or comment on one of our, you know, on Spotify or SoundCloud or whatever. They had this one ice cream sundae that was described as having to have two men carry it now really one person could have carried it but it was like this big production they'd come with with this giant it was like the, this thing was this wide and they'd come two men would carry it on a stretcher and put it on your table and oh my i think God. it had like th 30 scoops of ice cream so it was like for a party yeah. so you'd have a bunch of your friends there and eat ice cream and they were all different flavors like there are 20 different flavors in there plus toppings and i think i forget what that was called I, I'll, I'll do a quick google search but it was a really okay. fun place for people to have your birthday and you, you'd get all this the 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 fun gift shop stuff like i said they had the garters and the all the different things that you could get there and it was just a great place for a kid to celebrate a birthday back then wow Ours it was, was... before Chuck E. cheese's well, I was just going to mention we had a place called Showbiz Pizza Place. Yeah, Showbiz Pizza. Mm -hmm. And that I, I think my seventh birthday was there, or my ninth, somewhere around there, where you get to play skee ball and do all that yeah. fun we, stuff. We yeah. heard about Showbiz Pizza existing in Chicago. Yeah. So the really cool kids would drive for their birthdays to Showbiz yeah. or medieval times <laughs> for their birthdays. Yeah. Yeah, I never was one such kid. But what reminds me is if you are listening right now and you have a local restaurant or food treat from your neighborhood that you would like to share with us, please send them into hometownhauntedmail at gmail.com. I am looking forward to hearing what our listeners grew up with yeah. and what they remember fondly of. It could be of Cincinnati or your own hometown. So, yeah. Trying to see if I can find any of the old... I'm finding pictures of the menus, but none of them are high resolution enough to reach the, read them. Uh -huh. But they all had funny names. Um, what was this place called again? Ferrell's. F-A-R-R-E-L-L-S. Did you guys have old spaghetti factories near yes, you? Yes, we used to eat there all the time after, yeah. after plays. Yeah. But there I was one in Chicago. Yeah. I went to that once. Yeah, that 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 looked cool. Um, oh, Burger Chef. That's another old one. We never had that. Mm -mm. Um, Troy used to. My husband used to work at Burger Chef when he was young. What about Steak and Shake? Did you have Steak and Shake, Cat? Yes. Okay. We did. That was one of the few chains that made it all the way up north. It yeah. still is in business, and it's yeah. still the only Steak and Shake I've been to that has gotten my order right. And did not give me food poisoning. Oh, God. Whoa. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, awful. <laughs> yeah. But that was definitely the hangout after band practice. Yeah. Because they're open 24-7. Same. And, um, yeah, we would just hang out there and 
eat shakes. Where we it was Perkins Steak and Shake, Denny's, and we had a place called Gingham's in St. Charles that was similar to Perkins and Denny's. Yeah, that's where, or or Taco Bell. That's where we would hang out. We had Barnaby's, which is like a Perkins and a Denny's, mm. um, more close closer to Perkins, but that's still still in business, yeah. and that's a family restaurant. And we also have a Doc Pierce's. Which is a high, not high end, but a nice steakhouse. Yeah. And you walk into that and you have walked into 1978. They have <laughs> never changed their decor. It is all nice dark woods and this neo-colonial yeah. style with the um, faux Tiffany pub lamps yeah. and all that. And I look in and wood paneling everywhere yeah. and i'm like where are the bell-bottom pants and the right. ruffled shirts that reminds me it kind of sounds like Mo- maury's tiny cove here i think it's just in- down the street that's in walking distance from my isn't house isn't that cheviot is that yes, cheviot it's in cheviot so it's about, a, it's about a mile i had away. dinner there with margaret mcgurk one one evening and with her and a bunch of other people and I just loved the atmosphere of it. It was totally old school. It had red, totally old red booths and had nice dark lighting. And mm-hmm. the food was really good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So here is the Sunday I was talking about. It was called the world famous Farrell's Zoo. Our largest Sunday delivered to you by two servers, 30 scoops of chocolate, strawberry, and vanilla ice cream with strawberry, chocolate, and marshmallow topping topped with bananas, sprinkles, fresh whipped cream, and a cherry with a menagerie of animals. Just $65. 15 person is 79. This must be a more recent one because it's more expensive. Do they have pictures? I want to see this thing. There is. There's Apparently it was on a cooking show. Um, okay. But they had that, uh, it didn't cost 70 some dollars when I was young, well, so God, no. in the early 80s. But but it's like one of their signature Sundays that they had that you could mm-hmm. get. They had a couple other big ones too that I'm not seeing. I'm still trying to find me- menus from like the 80s or whatever. Man, now I want it's ice cream. Still, I think there still yeah. is a Farrell's. Nope, I, I think they went out of business well, in 2019. Okay, oh, so no. They, I think that their style of stuff, but you could see like pictures of the old uh, restaurant and how they had like the little candy shop and it kind of had that sort of, I want to say 1800s like uh, world fair kind of vibe. Yeah, they definitely have an 1890 Hello Dolly Hollywood vibe. Yeah, it did. It was very over the top. Yeah. I, mean, I this... think if you do a search, you could see some of their giant Sundays, but yeah. I remember you know, having uh, birthday parties where they had, we were, you know, you got the big giant Sunday. Because there were some other ones, too, that I'm not finding. Um, yeah. But, yeah. They have a but, Wikipedia article. Yeah, but that was a place I used to go for my birthday and when I was little. And it was fun. That looks fun. Yeah, mine, mine was Showbiz or McDonald's. I had a birthday at McDonald's one year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I and think that was my seventh birthday. birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, at a play place. Yeah, yeah. My mom. Oh, wow, my voice. No, right mine did not have a play place. We mine not did. Yet. No, <laughs> this was this was the Burger King, and it had a play place. And my mom invited all the friends in the neighborhood. And then, because I love the solar system, this is the biggest act of love I think she ever did. Aww. She made 
a cake for every single planet, including <gasps> Pluto and Whoa. the sun. Oh we gosh. were eating leftover cake until May. That's really sweet. It was the sweetest thing. It is the sweetest memory I have of my mom. My favorite was Neptune because it was a vanilla cake with blue icing. Were they Mm -hmm. all different flavor cakes? They were all different flavored cakes. My mom never would have done that. (laughs) My mom enlisted her friends to help make them all. I don't know why she did it, but they put it on gigantic um, boards. Like mm-hmm. oh that's awesome yeah that's and amazing. I remember my dad and one of the neighbor dads um, loading it in and out of the jeep just to be able to get it in <laughs> it was it so, was cool I love cakes like that I still want a fun birthday cake every year I don't mm-hmm. care if I'm not going to eat it I want it to have a theme I want it to be flipping awesome and I want it to be tasty yes yeah I get a donut cake. <gasps> You know what? I tried to get one for my birthday this year because of you. And my <laughs> sister said she couldn't find it. It's she in Hol- Holman's. Holman's. Yeah, she couldn't figure out how because it's not listed on their website. She couldn't figure out it's how to get it. It's a menu item. You have to ask them for it. Yeah, see, that yeah, was okay. another popular thing in the 80s. And you can still get these some places was the giant chocolate chip cookie cake. That was Oh, big. those are fun. Oh, God, I love those. Like Mrs. Fields, you get but it I in the mall. Still, I think you can still get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They still, I think they, I, I just haven't had one for years. Um, Kroger yeah. sells them every once in a while yeah, around yeah. Uh, like holidays and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, listeners, if there's foods or restaurants that you miss, tell us. Um, I heard actually that is is Empress Chili totally closed now? There was one, a location on the west side that I loved. I always enjoyed going to Empress Chili. And I there was. Really, is it not told me to go there. Yeah. Um, that, that was it's one of my favorite things. Alexandria, Kentucky. So there is still one there. Mm-hmm. Did you okay. guys ever have Fudgy the Whale here? The no. caramel cake? I don't well, think I didn't it, know about Cincinnati, but not in Indiana. No, I didn't have it either in St. Louis. I had never heard of it until I heard uh, Karen and Georgia talk about it on My Favorite Murder. I'm like, what's, uh, what's Fudgy the Whale? <laughs> yeah, um, I've only heard about it from other LA-based um, okay. content creators. And uh, yeah, it, it's. I feel like we missed out of, on I something. know. I know. Oh, well. Although uh, my mom used to make this great, it was called Oreo Smush. And it's, it's ice cream, whipped cream, a bunch of crushed up Oreos with fudge and caramel. And then you freeze it. Ooh. And it's so yummy. It is so yummy. Yummy, oh, yummy, yummy. He, here's <laughs> another restaurant that many people in Cincinnati miss is Zantigo's. It was mm. a fast food uh taco chain that was around uc and it was really inexpensive and when you were in college it was a go-to place to get burritos and stuff like that at weird times and Mm -hmm. it was bought by taco bell and closed down Mm -hmm. shortly after i graduated from college but oh that's sad yeah yeah i mean you you always have you know it's it's hard for small restaurants to survive another since i restaurant that was really popular was linhart's which was a german restaurant it was also next to the campus and that's completely gone now yeah um, and that had a great that had a lot of great german food if you like sauerkraut balls and all that sort of stuff uh, wiener schnitzel and they made a lot of really good german food um and they are gone I you know it is, it is sad though 
for restaurants to, even if they're open for 20 years and someone takes it over, it's still not mm. the same because it's not, the food's not made by the original person that thought of it and mm -hmm. perfected it. Mm -hmm. And even like with my family's restaurants, they're, they have similar food, but it, it tastes different because like my stepbrother learned how to cook differently than my stepdad did. So mm -hmm. his bowling A's is different than my stepdad's, but they're both equally as good. Mm -hmm. So that, that that's, that's very uh, nice of you to say they were the same. <laughs> it was very equitable of you to say that they are just as good. They yeah. are. Although I do, cause my stepdad didn't put, doesn't put cream in his, oh. uh, my stepbrother does. Oh. But uh, and I like the cream better. But I'm not going to stub my nose at Nicola's bowling A's. No, wow. it's delicious. <laughs> so yeah. Well, yeah. I think we're all going to go over to Cats and have those sausages you were describing for Fat Tuesday. So I'm going to have to go up to Indiana just to get dingus. them. Yeah, you're well, a big dingus. To, yeah, we're 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 looking forward to having dinner at your house. Yeah, it, it's. <laughs> Yeah, you got the brown mustard dingus day sausages, and then um, kluski noodles are also a big thing. And whenever you went to a wedding in South Bend, you had the the sausages, kluski noodles, and a salad and some type of cake. So, yeah, we come from a very Polish background. <laughs> so. well, that sounds great. No, I want yeah. cake. <laughs> so, cake so we are sausage. <laughs> can make you a dingus cake. So that we aren't completely avoiding haunted stuff. We do yeah. have a hometown Oops. haunt. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do. We have a hometown haunt for this week. Who would like to read it? You want to read it, Jen? Sure. Okay. Although, gonna... do you ever, ever come across any food-related hauntings? Do you think? We've talked about water a lot. It's like it's... bathrooms and running water. Are there haunted kitchens? Well, um, I know there are scents. That people have talked about at different locations of like mm -hmm. food being cooked. Mm -hmm. um, I actually did feature a haunted, it's an inn, but their chefs would have a ghost walk through their kitchen that was one of the former owners. Oh, and wow. uh, they would see her walk through the kitchen and she liked to pinch the butts of the people who worked in the kitchen. Oh, that's a great story. That's and inappropriate. It's very inappropriate, <laughs> but ghosts aren't always appropriate, are they? Uh, nope. <laughs> and so, yeah, you do. You can have a haunted kitchen. It's not yeah. impossible. Like, uh, well, Writers Inn, which is up in Painesville, Ohio, um, Susie, or Suzanne, is the ghost there, and she's been seen all over the place, too. She's oh, a former owner. Yeah. Oh, so interesting. Also, okay. happy birthday, Katie. Happy birthday, Katie. Yes. <laughs> All right, this one is from Katie, who just had her birthday this weekend. So happy birthday, her 39th birthday. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I was driving home alone from a roller der derby tournament in St. Louis, probably eight years ago now. I used to make some risky decisions about overnight driving. So I was probably, so it was probably about 2 or 3 a.m. and I couldn't go on any longer. So I got off on an exit outside of Indy and got a room at a motel. I did a minimal check of the room for murderers, collapsed in bed, and turned off the light. As I was relaxing and getting ready to fall asleep, suddenly a lamp across the room turned on. It was off when I came in, and I didn't touch it at any point before this. So this is how I'm going to die, I thought to myself as I lay there in bed. 
Eventually, I worked myself up enough to get out of bed, turn on the light next to me, and turn off the lamp. Then I put on the TV and looked for the stupidest thing I could find, which I recalled ended up being Deuce Bigelow, male gigolo, because I figured that no just universe would let me die watching that mess. <laughs> anyway, I eventually fell asleep, survived the night, and stumbled out of the hotel and made it home the next morning. Oh, wow. Oh, wow, Katie. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I don't know how she stayed in the room. I would have been like, no, I'm awake now. I, I've <laughs> I've done exactly that at hotels. Like, found the stupidest thing on. And I, I do have a story, of course, that goes along with that. So, Katie, I totally understand where you're coming from. Let's hear the story. Yeah. So, I was staying at the very infamous Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. Mm -hmm. In one of the very haunted rooms on the fourth floor. And I walk in, and there's two little kids that are very obviously dead. Just sitting on my bed and i'm like great this is this is great and i turn on the tv and the only way i could sleep while i stayed at that hotel is if they got to watch reruns of the brady bunch and the monsters on nick at night so Aww. that's what we did i just i was like okay if i turn on the tv and turn the volume down very very low will you not wake me up or anybody else in the building. Do not turn the volume up. It's as loud as you need it to be. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we'll be fine. Aww. And that's what I did for, the, the I think, the two or three nights I was there. I, oh I Every time I came back in from doing the events, and it was for a paranormal conference, but every single time uh, I would just turn the TV on and the kids would just sit there and watch it. <laughs> oh, they were that's like, funny six and eight years old Aww. so yeah they just really they love the monsters yeah wow that's a great story I, that's yeah. a really, and, you know that's another place i've been to and i didn't see Same. anything i've been to the stanley hotel i've been to the hotel where they in, in close to mount hood where they filmed the kubrick version mm -hmm. of the shining i've been to both places and didn't see anything yeah, yeah. But that's, what, that's cool. also the location where i had a ghost walking on me in the shower <laughs> so <laughs> different story for a different time yeah. but yeah it, it definitely katie i highly empathize with you because i've done the exact same thing and i think jen would say next time you drive through st louis go to that lion's choice and emos yes. and yeah. ted drews if you can but you kind of have to go out of your way to do that but okay yeah yeah at least some some lion's choice and emos are right off you can get them right off the highway oh nice. that's yeah. handy Nice, I, but yeah, those are great. Those are great stories. Uh, not seeing the two little kids. See, that seems no, really that's sad. That, that seems really creepy. Mm -hmm. I don't like seeing ghost children, but they really like me because I'm very um, lighthearted. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think not childish, but playful. So yeah. we, whenever we go on, like on investigations and there's children ghosts, they tend to hang around. Because yeah. they're just like, hey, this is somebody who's playful just like us. Usually so, children ghosts are playful. How do they end up in a room, in a hotel room? Like, or maybe are they associated with the hotel or? So there's various different reasons why children ghosts can stay. So in that particular place, um, Stanley Hotel has always been a hotel. So they're probably just kids that had a really good time during their lifetime okay. when they would visit. It was a health spa. 
but mm-hmm. families would visit and kids and their nannies would stay on the fourth floor. And while the rest, mm-hmm. like their parents and everybody would be on the third, second and third floors. Mm-hmm. And then in the, there's an auxiliary house or hotel area building next to the building too. So the kids were all on the fourth floor. It's just full of nannies, nannies and children. And most of them are either um, residual as in um, they're just kind of an imprint. Mm-hmm. And then you do have a few that are intelligent kids, like the two that were in my room and they're just ghosts that had a good time at that hotel in life and just stayed there. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to haunt the location you die at. Gotcha. Well, and I think you've established before when during some of our ghost hunts that mm-hmm. They may not really be children. Yeah, they like, could have lived to the 80s and 90s. Right, favorite, they're just, yeah. Yeah, they manifest in a favorite time period. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely haunting at an age of 22. When I'm dead, I'm staying 22 forever. But I am no longer 22 right now. But <laughs> well, that, that, That's a good point. You know, pick your best time that you, mm-hmm. you know. I, so, it would be, so you probably rarely... Or do often see ghosts that are very old too? I suppose you can. Ghosts could. I'm thinking of 2001: A Space Odyssey, like where you see people at all different ages. I'm wondering if sometimes mm-hmm. you see ghosts manifest at different times of their life, depending on what the circumstances are and what kind well, of haunting it is. Yeah, like when we were at the Benninghof, and um, usually um, Wilhelmina is shown in being her in her 20s in 30s when she was living there um, at the very beginning. But I saw her when she was six for goodness knows what reason, but that's how she showed herself to me. And I was like, okay, that's, that's, that's a choice. But um, she was dressed almost exactly the same. It was just children's wear instead. So yeah. And other people have seen her in as an adult. And I'm sure there's people who have experienced her as an elderly lady as well. And so it's however they feel the most comfortable. And also I get the feeling that sometimes it's how they come off the most approachable. Mm-hmm. And I will also note that when I do see spirits of the dead, it they don't show me how they died. Like they're not all grisly, like missing half a head or anything like that. The only time I ever saw anything like that was when I was at Gettysburg and mm-hmm. at Antietam. But was yeah. that necessarily the ghosts or like, the projection the that's a lot of projections it. which is yeah, a it's a right, topic right. for a different day but season yeah season three season <laughs> three because because yeah so what you might be seeing if you see sort of more grisly images might be somebody's impression of what they saw yeah so they're seeing their trauma yeah like i said we can talk about gettysburg in season three Oh, saw good. a lot there. This is a this is a teaser. We can talk. You know, it'd be cool road trip. That's all I'm saying. Well, you have talked about Gettysburg, not yeah. not frequently, not in, but not in depth or yeah. Okay, but uh, yeah. It, I mean, Cincinnati has a Civil War past, and we really haven't touched on it yet. And uh, so yeah, and Gettysburg is a fun fun. That's a strange way to describe that's it. The wrong word. That's, that's, that's the wrong word. It's interesting. interesting. Yeah. In, yeah. It's an enlightening. Interesting place, enlightening place. It is not fun. That was me being tired. Um, place to go visit. Uh, very, just on its own, it's very 
respectful of what happened there. But when you go with somebody who knows where all the hauntings are, then suddenly the, the, the war becomes a lot more real. Yeah. So, and, uh, a lot deeper, I'm gonna say. You, you start you start seeing the actual trauma because you can only you can read about it and interpret it only so far. But when you're with a spirit medium who is describing the things they're seeing on the battlefield, suddenly it feels a lot heavier. So, yeah. well, yeah. that definitely is something to think about for season three. And and anyone listening, if there's things you're interested in, we can do episodes on them, like perhaps mm-hmm. doppelgangers or nope. No, no, <laughs> or maybe not doppelgangers. Um, maybe we need to come up with a safe. We need a safe word for Jen. Yeah, <laughs> we, I don't know what that would be. Yeah, no, I'm just you, you have till next season to think of it and get your vaccination so we can go in, on field trips. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Get I them so I can visit my mom again. Yes. Yeah, so definitely more field trips hopefully next season, and we'll be talking about the next issue and how that's coming, and we're really excited about preparing all this stuff, so Mm -hmm. we'll we'll be, like, kind of doing our elf thing, packing up boxes and picking our new comic out and all that fun stuff. I just ordered hundreds of boxes for our new comic. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, so, don't! I will be more than happy to help you with that yes, stuff. Yes, we'll help you yeah. this time. You you won't have to do it alone again. That that sounded traumatic. <laughs> Just the amount of stuff that you had yeah. to do yes. to, to to post it all. Oh well. On that note, thank yes. you everyone for joining us on this zesty and flavorful. Yeah, I want to have some hot sauce now. I'm going to have some spicy. Hot sauce on it. Yeah. <laughs> episode of the Cincinnati Cabinet of Curiosities. Uh, I'm your host, Kat Clogo. Joining me is Jen Kohler, Christina Wald, and hopefully all your local stories of hometown haunts and tasty food. So have a great week. Good night and stay weird. Bye. Bye.